Hi, friends. Welcome back to our third and final installment of our dating bootcamp. Before we jump in, I want to warn you that this episode is a little different because of the nature of the content. This is not only a bonus episode, but because this episode and content might not be for all audiences, it's not part of my usual podcast network. It's about time because we're going there. Dun, dun, dun. This is it. Day three of our dating bootcamp. If you have gone through day one and day two, let me just applaud you. Yes, friend, we did it. In this day three, I wanna remind us, this is just the goal. Here's the goal, very plain and simple. Within the next 30 days, I want you to go on a date. There's no pressure. You're not finding your Proverbs 31, your Boaz, your eternal soulmate, or your rib. No, what you're doing is you're putting yourself out there and you're going on a real date. That's it. I love providing context, creative solutions, and also putting people in situations where they're forced to wrestle with, who am I? Am I ready for a significant other? What does it look like to meet people? And now day three is what happens when you actually get on the date? We want to pull back the curtain, look at the nitty gritty, and have some honest conversations about how we should show up on each of these dates. I love talking about this and I love creating resources for people today. In my last book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, is very practical information based out of the book of Ruth, which I allude to in this series. But I hope you enjoyed this series. And if so, would you consider tagging at Bianca Oltoff and any of your single friends who need this message? Again, I want to shout out Megan for being so amazing and being a tribute to our bootcamp series. I can't wait to dive in, get into the nitty gritty and start talking about dating. Welcome back to Dating Bootcamp. This is day three. And if you are just tuning in and joining us, the goal of this bootcamp is not to find your kismet match or your potential life partner. No, the goal of this bootcamp is within the next 30 days of this podcast's third and final installation of the Dating Bootcamp to go on a real date, not just with someone that you met at a coffee shop, but a real bonafide date where you get dressed up, somebody asks the other person out, you figure out who pays, there's an end time, and we're going to talk about all of that today on this final installation. If you've been with us the last couple days, you know that we have our very own version of Katniss Everdeen because... Megan is our tribute for our dating bootcamp. Megan has gone through the homework assignments and she's had to do this quickly because we only did this for three days, but she is on not one, but two dating apps. And in this final installation, we are prophesying, which means speak life. We are saying and believing that she's going to go out an amazing date. I'm actually believing it's the best date she's ever had because of the work that she's put in and who she knows that she is. And so Megan, we want to walk people through going from an online platform to a real life date. Megan, for me, I have to give personal story here. For me, I didn't know how to date. And it's not something that we talk about in church. In fact, the reason why even the word dating is hard to describe or even discuss in church is because it's not explicitly stated in the Bible. So we're just kind of left to meander through these gray shades of like, well, I don't know what's acceptable. How do I do this? And so on this episode, I really want to talk about what to do when you get to the actual date. Have you had any questions or is that just a fear that I have? Am I inordinately weird? Or what questions maybe are you thinking through as you go through these online profiles and dates of the what next? Yeah, you are not inordinately weird at all because like, I'm just like, oh no, 
well, what if I'm awkward? Right. And I, I guess it also comes down to like, okay, well, like logistics, like I am not the best logistics human. And so it's like, okay, well, if we are going to go on the state, who makes the plans, right? Should I initiate it or like what's happening here? And so I struggle with, okay, I can talk fine. I can like have a conversation, mm. but it's the transition into the real life where I get a little scared. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So I often get asked the question, who should ask the other person out? Now, this is going to pertain from online dating and in real life dating. So maybe you met them at church or you met them at the gym, you met them at school, you met them at work, wherever you met. Now we're just talking about the actual date. Maybe you've been flirting with someone, someone's been flirting with you. You have a conversation that leads itself to, could you see yourself on a date with this person? Now, I'm just going to give you statistics. Statistically speaking, 92% of women feel like the man should be the initiator. I didn't make up these stats. These are just the stats. So pick it up with statisticians. Men, however, feel like it's 50-50. That if a girl wants to ask a guy out, she should have the cojones to ask this person out. Now, for a guy or girl that's listening to this podcast, um, there's biblical examples of both. We have people that will question on whether or not a woman should ask a guy out. Well, Ruth laid at Boaz's feet and she said, put your blanket over me, which is an idiom for, will you marry me? So she basically had a DTR with Boaz and she, in essence, proposed to him. She said, pick me or not, right? So, I mean, the the verdict is out. Can a guy ask a girl, girl ask a guy out? It's preference. For me, I really wanted to be pursued by a guy. So when I was even on the dating apps or even not on dating apps, just in general, I didn't ask anyone out. But I was doing some research and also watched a fabulous documentary on dating. And I think that um, whether you feel comfortable or not comfortable, Megan, let's say you're talking to somebody on a dating app or at church or whatever. Do you feel comfortable asking them out? Probably not. I mean, like, I feel like I would be okay to be like, hey, do you want to go somewhere after this? But I don't think I could be like, hello, would you like to meet at this day at this time? I just feel like I don't think I could make the transition easily. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you props because even just initiating a hangout from what I've heard from men, and we have to have a man on this to speak of the male perspective. But what I heard from men is that they don't know if a woman is interested. So a woman could be flirting and, you know, they can be talking online, but a guy's literally clueless on whether or not a girl is interested. And so I don't think it hurts anyone for you to do what you did. So any listener out there that might feel like, well, I don't know, is that initiating? Is that a date? It's not. It's just asking them to further the friendship to get to know them. That's it, right? Now, if a DTR needs to happen, a DTR is defining the relationship. If somebody's like super serious and maybe they're super into you or you're super into them, you have to be very cautious about moving forward in that area. That is, we'll unpack that a little bit later. But let's just play with the scenario that a guy asks you out. These are some healthy boundaries. We spoke about boundaries a little bit on episode one, but healthy boundaries as you go into this date. I am an ardent and huge supporter of having a start time and an end time. So me personally, I would suggest that you either have something to do after the date so that you have to leave or you just set a hard end time. Why is that? I have seen a lot of great potential relationships die out and pitter because they spent four, five, six hours hanging out, two, three, four hours hanging out. And what happens is that 
the energy, just na- just a natural communication energy pitters out and you leave the date feeling like exhausted and it doesn't feel life-giving. If you put an end time, I suggest no more than 75 to 90 minutes. That's an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. Why? You want to leave the other person thirsty. You want to make them want to hang out with you. Like leave on such a high note that you're like, dang, I want to do that again. So in the dating protocol and the dating rules, maybe you're a girl that's listening or a guy that's listening and you want to ask the other person out on a date. Kudos to you, gold star. If you ask the other person out on the date, you set the location, you set the time, and you pay. This is a suggestion, a loving suggestion. If somebody asks out, a guy or girl, if a girl asks a guy out, a guy's girl, whatever, whoever asks the other person out, just say, hey, I'd love to hang out. Like, let's go on a date. And because I'm asking you, I'd love to pay for it. So they know from the very beginning, from the onset, from the outset, who is making the decisions. What I see happen is that a guy will have enough chutzpah to ask a girl out, but then he's hesitant on making a plan because he's afraid of making a mistake. Whoever asks the other person out, they get a gold star. They get a high five because that is such hard work. So if somebody asks you out and somebody plans a date, be grateful and be gracious wherever it is they take you. Megan, any thoughts, any feelings, any pushbacks, any questions? Well, I just feel like that really eliminates the option for a foodie call, which is a booty call, but just with free food. (laughs) A foodie call? I've never heard of that. A foodie call. Oh, yeah. That's where people go on dates just to eat. This is hilarious. This is dating in 2023. I'm just against foodie calls, okay? Buy your own food. Buy your own food. Yes, no. Because listen, you you go on a date, someone's going to expect something, and then they're going to be really sad, and there's disappointment and a heartbreak. Let's not do that. No foodie calls, no booty calls. You're welcome. Yes. Great. Okay. So the person who asks is the person who plans. Now, Megan, I'm going to say that maybe you just got really brave and you asked somebody out. Let's just put you in that seat. If you're planning a date, what do you think the next step should be? Because you said, I'm not really good with planning. So let's just do all the hard work right now. What would that look like? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I say that, but I plan plan a lot of things. So it's really just suggestive not being good at things. Um, So I feel like if I were to plan a date, I would definitely want it in the daytime. Okay? Okay. Like I am... I feel like it needs to be during the day. Okay. I I peak during the day, okay? Like at nighttime, I get tired. Okay. So I would want to do it during the day. I think a nice local coffee shop would do. Great. No chains for me because we both need to take the risk that if the coffee is terrible, we can at least talk about it, you know? And <laughs> I, I really just think that there's some charm there. So I think I would go to a local coffee shop during the day because okay. then I can have something to do after. That's believable. I, that's And that's great. And it, it actually feels like um, low risk. So I love that you picked a coffee shop. That was Matt's, Matt's MO. Now, when I did online dating, I didn't go out with one person. I was like anti. And the matches that I got, that's another episode for another day. We have to know. You have to know. If you, if you sign up for online dating specifically, you have to know that you are going to be matched with some interesting characters. Do not get discouraged or dissuaded. Keep plowing on. There's going to be... That's the wrong metaphor. Let's not do that one. You're not plowing anyone. (laughs) No, 
this is a Christian podcast. No, keep moving forward and keep your your expectation high and your hopes high. Yes, and your faith high, the whole thing. So I didn't go out with anyone, but for Matt, he did go out with a couple of people. And he said, coffee's great because after 60 minutes, your coffee's done and there's no like major commitment. Now, I will say for our first date, we met for coffee and he liked it so much. He asked me to dinner afterwards. And because I knew no better, our first date was literally four hours. I'm not even kidding you. Also on the first date, I asked him, did he have biblical grounds for divorce? What was his custody like with the kids? And was he in debt? I'm not even kidding you, Megan. I'm passionate about relationships because I did it wrong. So like that would be a heap and not a hint. Girl, don't get me started. The reason I have this wisdom now is because I did it all wrong. Yes. Yes. But I I walked in different. So I was not like 18, 19 years old. You know, I just was like, I'm very serious. I know what I want. I want a husband. I'm not looking Mm -hmm. for like a friend. I didn't want a friend. I have a lot of friends. So I was like, let's not waste his money and my time. He bought me my coffee. Uh, this is my time. Like I was lovely and we had some, you know, light questions. And then I just went in. I was like, let's not play games here. And I mean, I wasn't going to be judgmental if he did have debt, which he did. His custody of the kids, which he had 50%. Did he have biblical grounds for a divorce? He did because of infidelity. And once we got those hard questions out of the way, I felt like, okay, let me see if I can get to know you, you know? So anyway, here are some great suggestions if you're doing a date. So you go on a date a couple rules that I personally have. I'm saying rules that feels very like aggressive. A couple strong suggestions. Guidelines. There you go. A couple guidelines. For those that are at liberty to drink, I'm going to say to drink max. Why is that, Megan? Listen, no one wants to be sloppy and no one wants to pay for it. Actually, that's true. That's being respectful of someone's finances. I didn't even think about that because, you know, drinks are expensive. But I just firmly believe that I don't feel like people are at their truest authentic self when they're inebriated. Mm -hmm. I think people become overshares. I think people get sloppy. I think in vino veritas, that's Latin for in wine, there is truth. And when someone starts drinking, they get real loose lips. And I've seen really good relationships spoiled too soon because again, people are giving heaps, not hints about who they are. And I think alcohol just exacerbates that. So I'm- yeah. So sorry, it shows that you can control yourself. And I feel like that's like super important too, because if you're going into this, you need to know like, okay, well, how they do one thing is probably how they do everything. So if they can't control themselves here, what else kind of lends itself to that? I love that. I love that. I would actually advocate that for the first date, like no drinks, like first and second date, no drinks, because you're really trying to get to know that person. And if you need alcohol to feel comfortable, then there's probably a little bit of soul work that needs to be done. So mm-hmm. I, I would just advocate like no drinking on those dates. And if you felt liberty to no more than one or two drinks, because you really want to be lucid. You really want to be sober. You really want to be having an honest conversation. And then again, I would advocate for the end time of the date. Okay. So what happens after the date's over? <laughs> okay. So let's get to the juicy details. Um, but actually, hold on. Before we go there, I love I love where your mind's at, Megan. I think that we need to talk about that. But I think that sometimes when we think about the date, I want us to put our best foot forward, right? So in our core, we want people to love us as we are. And I'm a big ardent supporter of like people loving the truest version of you. However, I also believe that people should put their best foot forward because instead of just coming, you know, slovenly and being like, well, if you don't love me like this, then you shouldn't love me at all. I feel like you should give yourself a fair shake, have some respect for yourself and want to get dressed up, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to dress like you normally dress. 
if you normally are wearing like Nike dunks and a hoodie with like some cute jeans, great, do you. But like have your sweatshirt be clean, have your dunks be clean. If you roll up sloppy, I mean, if you don't take yourself seriously, who's gonna Mm -hmm. take you seriously? Um, I would also advocate to not look extra seductive because hints, not heaps. If you're going out with the pirate's booty and the treasure chest all exposed, like, I mean, that's just a lot. You're giving them a lot. You know, I feel like people should earn that, right? Um, In that documentary, which was put together by a professor from Boston University, she said that after the 90-minute date, there should be no form of physical intimacy other than an A-frame hug. Now, for those that are not seeing the visual of this, I have like two hands coming together at the top to form like literally an A, like a TP. Why an A-frame hug? An A-frame hug removes any sort of sexual touch. So an A-frame hug is a non-sexual touch. A regular hug, both my hands are coming together, is a full frontal and you're feeling everyone's body parts. What happens in that is intimacy is formed. Now, this is from a non-religious professor from Boston University that are giving us this data. There should be no physical intimacy. Why? Because physical intimacy clouds our judgment. So I don't think I've ever given an A-frame hug. Really? Yeah, I really... No. Okay, so I've been around the church world for a while. So (laughs) so side hugs and A-frame hugs are like how we do it. And like, I am, okay, anatomically, I'm just a full woman and I'll leave it at that, right? So I can't give people full frontal hugs because it's like hugging Dolly Parton, you know? So I'm always like, oh, hi, Jesus loves you, A-frame hug or side hug, you know? It's like, so I'm very familiar with that. But like, if someone is out there on on a first date and they're not sure how they feel about the person, I would totally recommend an A-frame hug. Here's another thing. Megan, are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Okay. So when we were speaking on day one about your non-negotiables and being open to someone that you're not necessarily attracted to on the jump, I feel, I feel like you should give, if you walk into a new church you should give that church three Sundays before you decide if that is the church for you. Because if you walk in and this Sunday it's a guest speaker or, you know, the soloist was really horrible or someone wasn't nice to you on the entryway, you are riding off an entire good church based on one interaction. So I always feel you should give a church three times before you decide if that tribe is your vibe, right? I firmly believe that you should give somebody like three dates before you decide like they're not the one for you. Now, if on that first date you realize, oh my gosh, they kick little dogs, they have halitosis, they're $100,000 in debt, that's a that's an easy no. But if it's just kind of like, meh, you're not sure, give them another date. Give them another fair shake. And, and if I'm honest with you, if you're still feeling like, oh, well, second date wasn't bad, give them a third date. Because sometimes people need a little bit of a runway. I mean, Megan, let's be honest. We recorded a different podcast that was not the dating boot camp, And we both realized after that podcast, we were like, meh, we need a runway. We need to get to know Maybe. each other a little bit more. So giving somebody like a fair shake after the first date, and I would advocate for three dates before you decide if that person's for you. Now I will say, I know that the professor from Boston University said no physical intimacy on date one. I will say after our first date where I did everything wrong, like I was weird, I asked, really pointed questions and our date was four hours. I left that date knowing that he was in debt, had dependents and he was divorced. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I get this guy to fall in love with me? And I was hoping that he would kiss me. I was hoping that he would kiss me and he didn't kiss me. 
And Megan, he didn't kiss me after the second date. And he didn't kiss me after the third date. And that's the part where I'm like, this is weird. Like, is, is he not- okay? In- yeah, is he not into me? Like, is it me? What's going on? But on the fourth date, he went in for the kill. And I did the whole hitch thing. Like, I went forward 90, and then he came 10. You know, seal the deal? Yes, yes. So, I mean, no judgment if you kiss that person on the first date, because I wanted to kiss Matthew on the first date. But according to research, we should not. Okay, so speaking of kissing, what food should you avoid? (gasps) Girl, this is such a good question. I'm so glad you're asking because it's not even about a breath thing, right? So if you're going on a date, which I love your suggestion of the coffee shop, I think that a coffee shop could be a really good first date. But let's say that you decide to order food. I think it's really important if you're getting to know somebody and you're having a conversation to pick foods that are not complicated. For example, if you do a salad with ranch, there is a high probability you're going to have white stuff all over your lips. Okay, so I don't, I I just, let's just be honest. If you order a hot dog, it's going to look sexual. You have to be so careful about the foods that you eat. So it's not just the, the type of food you eat, but it's also what's in the food. So if you're talking to somebody and your dish has lots of onions or garlic, guess what? You're going to have halitosis. You have to be mindful of that. If you're trying to talk to somebody and you're having a conversation and you order corn on the cob, guess what? You are picking it up and you're putting your hands to your mouth. Can you really have good conversation? So I would advocate picking food that you feel comfortable with picking food that's very easy to eat and simple to eat, and picking food that doesn't have like a strong scent. Now, you don't know the other person. What if they have a shellfish allergy and you order like lobster or something? You have got to be really mindful about the food that you're eating. And if the goal is to get to know that person, are you ordering food that you can get to know that person with? Does that make sense? Yes. Don't put up another barrier, which is food. Just, yes. you know, everyone just needs to co-mingle. Yes. Yes. So you're sitting down eating. Mm-hmm. What do I say to the person? What kind of questions do I ask? I love because this. Sometimes my brain just goes blank. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this. I love this. Okay. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is going in with an action plan. Now, I'm not saying that you should script out your date because it's never going to go according to plan, but I do think that you should have an arsenal of three to five questions that help you get to know that person. Very pointed questions, not like, what's your favorite color? And not super deep questions like, tell me about your past trauma. No, you're already in the 12 foot. Let's stay in the two foot. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Roll in the deep. We're moving slowly into the deep. We're doing this together. So- I would have like an arsenal of a couple of questions. Like, tell me something that you really enjoy about your job or what you do. What does that give you a peek into? Are they satisfied with their job? Do they find fulfillment in it? Maybe there's something funny in there. You can get to know about the relational collateral that they have with their family by asking a familial question. What's one of your favorite memories that you have with your siblings? And then that'll tell you instantaneously if they have a good relationship with their siblings because then they'll say like, oh, we don't really talk. And then you could choose to maybe go from the two feet to the three feet, but don't go from the two feet to the 10 feet and tell me, tell me about your childhood abuse. Like, no, 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 no. We slowly ease into that. So I think having questions prepared to, to get to know someone, being mindful of you listening and them listening. So if they're only talking about themselves, like that is something to note. And sometimes this is why I think I'm, I I keep on going back to having multiple dates is that sometimes people are nervous on their first dates and they feel comfortable talking about themselves. And so they talk about themselves, but they don't know how to pause and listen. So if somebody is talking about themselves a lot, but you're still very interested in them, 
Think about something you could say about yourself that gives them a clue about yourself and then see how they respond. I definitely don't think it's the time for you to be like, God, you're so obsessed with yourself. Why aren't you asking me about myself? But sometimes it's just, they don't know better. But when you know better, you do better, right? So you can model it. Tell me about yourself. And they tell about their best friend. Amazing. I remember going on a trip with my best friend and I had a similar situation. And so you're volleying the conversation. Now, with that being said, you can't be the one that's solely responsible for the conversation. Because if you're lifting the conversation the entire time, you got to ask yourself, is there chemistry between this person? You might be physically attracted to them, but is there emotional chemistry, sexual chemistry, and spiritual chemistry between you? Okay. This one I'm really bad at. And so like, I really do need some, like, I need you to put on your truth hat. Okay. How do you stay mysterious? Because like, it is <laughs> my least capable quality. Um, I, I just have no mystery to me and I just would love some, some, some helpful tips on how to remain mysterious. I love this. I love this. So on day one of the boot camp, we were discussing boundaries. And mm-hmm. so, um, if you did the assignment from the boundaries, it's like uh, relational boundaries. What am I willing to share with this person? So again, this will always be assessed and constantly the line will move. Let's say what you feel comfortable sharing with somebody one month into knowing them versus six months of knowing them is really different. So I think that you can maintain a sense of mysteriousness when you know boundaries. So what are the things that you know I'm not going to talk about until I, I feel like I can trust this person with it? So what happens on these dates is there's great chemistry. There's great physical chemistry, spiritual chemistry, emotional chemistry, sexual chemistry, and we feel like we can go deeper. But then that removes the mystery. I'm a huge advocate of leaving a sense, I mentioned this earlier, make them thirsty. Make them want to hang out with you next time. Give them a clue. Um, I was actually at the gym and I was working out with my workout partner and uh, there's this guy that's interested in her and they broke the cardinal rule. They hung out and their date went far too long. He had asked a very pointed question. I was a little bit taken back by his question. And I said, well, what did you say? She's just like, well, I, I, I kind of answered it, but I was really, really taken off guard. And I said, listen, the next time that he asks you a very personal question, you say, I only share the information with my boyfriend. What did you do? You set your boundary and you made mm-hmm. him thirsty to be your man, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know, but you're the one that has the key to the vault. You owe no one your personal information unless you trust them. So I think that possessing a sense of mystery doesn't necessarily mean like, look into my eyes and let me enchant you. Being mysterious is also just saying, I'm gonna set this boundary because I would like to get to know you a little bit more before you know the information about me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Got to practice that. I hold the key. I hold the key. I'm just going to be like reminding myself of that. Yes. Amazing. Okay. Now this is something that people do and they don't even realize because it's just so easy. Now I myself have um, fallen victim to this and this would be the terrible, terrible thing of love bombing where you think Mm. you're doing everything right when in reality, (laughs) you're doing the worst thing you can possibly do. So someone on the other side of this doesn't know what love bombing is. Please, you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of great therapy work. Talk about love bombing in, in one or two sentences. Yeah, well, I used to love bomb in friendships as mm-hmm. well as relationships because I just wanted everyone to like me. Mm-hmm. And so basically, you think of it like this. You pour all of your resources you have into this one person for a short amount of time, but then eventually what happens to your resources, they run out. 
and then you have nothing left to give. And you have shown them all of your love. You've shown them all of your cards. Yeah. And now you both just know everything about each other and it's been a week and a half. Yeah. Okay, so how do you prevent yourself from love bombing? Because there's someone listening that is hearing this term for the very first time. And it's literally when you are overly affectionate, you pay a lot of attention, you're giving a lot of yourself. It's a love bomb as in you're encapsulating the entire person and the totality of who you are. You've taken them to the 12 feet. What have you learned and what are some safeguards that you've put around yourself to make sure you don't love bomb someone in attempts to make them fall in love with you, whether in a friendship or a dating relationship? Yeah. So in one of my most recent friendships, I really liked this girl. I was like, oh my gosh, I really think we can be real friends. And I know my past tendencies, which is to love bomb. So I purposely was standoffish. I was like, I wasn't interacting as much. I was sending a message here. I was sending a message there. I was not giving myself. And we were like three months into like becoming friends. And I said, hey, I just want you to know, like, I like you, which is why I'm not over interactive with this relationship. And I'm so grateful I did that because mm. A, it was showing me like I know my past tendencies and yeah. now I know how to take this thing in a slow fashion. And guess what? She wasn't like, well, I'm never talking to you again. She was like, thank you so much for respecting me in this boundary that you set. And so for me, it's just, you need to know what you're doing in order to do better. And so I was like, yeah. hey, I know what I did last time. So let me take it slow and let me take this one step at a time. And I think that there's beauty in each step. So I love that. I love that. Okay. So you're aware of tendencies, which I think is goes back to day one. What are you aware of? Are you ready today? Are you in a good place today? Are you emotionally ready, physically ready, financially ready, and spiritually ready to step into this? So let's go to the very end of the date. We already spoke about kissing. I mean, there's no judgment. If you want to kiss the person like, and it works, listen, I mean, it's between you and God. Um, but if you are interested in pursuing a second date, I would encourage you, you don't have to be as direct as I'd love, you know, are we going to do this again? But I think that there's ways that you can hint your interest because sometimes the person who asks you out just needs like a nudge, just needs to know like, I'm into this. I don't know if you're into this, but even as simple and non-awkward as like, this is really fun. I had a lot of fun. If you had fun, I'd love to do it again. I'll send you an email. I'll s- <laughs> I'm going to go with email. Email is a power move. The more I've been thinking about it, I'm like, this is a power move. I told you, right? Because it gives, see, that to me feels like mystery. You just ask the mystery question. You don't have access to my phone number. No, you have access to my email. And guess what? I have two email accounts and I will give you the generic one. I will not give you my personal one. That is mystery and that is power and control. So you're welcome. You're welcome. One of the things that I've loved about this entire process is I am passionate about relationships. I wrote about it in my book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. We're currently in a series at the Father's House entitled Boundary Lines, How to Keep the Good Ones In and How to Keep the Bad Ones Out. And uh, these resources, also some dating series that we've done at church are going to be linked into the show notes. But I actually have a PDF and some videos on dating specifically. It's a free resource that we want to put in your hands and it's entitled Love Is. If you want those videos and you want that PDF, you can go with it for your friends and give some more practical insights and short little snippet videos on things that I've learned in the process from the dating equation, from a biblical understanding of love and sacrifice. That is at my website, biancaoltoff.com backslash love. The link will be provided in the show notes. Megan, I just want to say you have been the guinea pig of this series. I'm grateful for you. And you want to know something? I am wishing you the absolute best. You have, girl, girl, starting today, you have 30 days 
to go on a bonafide date. And I believe it's going to be amazing and fun. And I'm nosy now. So we have to do like a follow-up episode to see, did you go on your date? And if so, how did you do? Megan, I appreciate you. I love you. I'm for you. And I believe that we're going to see how the dating boot camp benefited your life. It's time for me to go on a date. <laughs> thank you, Bianca, for having me. I Thank you for allowing me to ask questions and for being open and honest. I truly appreciate this space you're creating, not just for me, but for everyone listening. These are conversations that I wouldn't have normally had with someone who is religious. And I, you know, I have with my therapist, but like at the end of the day, you need to have more conversations. You need to get other people's opinions and other people's expertise just so you can show it better. So thank yeah. you for that. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, friends, it's day three. I've mentioned this before, but I'm passionate about relationships because, gosh, I've done it wrong for so long. I don't want you to have to waste time like I did, and so I hope this dating boot camp was a gift to you. Again, if you want more information about how to have your life not suck, you can go to Amazon, download that book. You can get the free resource, Love Is, which is a six-week or six-session PDF as well as six videos for absolutely free. You can go to BiancaOltoff.com backslash love to get your free copy. And as well, a reminder, we are currently in a boundary series at the Father's House Orange County. There's a link in the profile to our YouTube page, and I can't wait to have you join along. Thank you so much for being brave. Thank you for being bold. And thank you for believing God. I believe that there will be great date stories and even some horror stories that I want to know about. Either way, I'm glad you're on this journey with me. Thank you for being part of this podcast. If it has blessed you and you enjoy it, would you consider subscribing or consider leaving a positive review? Thank you so much, friends. I appreciate your help and I can't wait to dive into a new podcast next week.